0: Hi, it's Veronica Dagger, the host of the Wall Street Journal Secrets of Wealthy Women, the podcast where women share how they tackle career, money, and the world. This week we'll talk with Mara Lighty and Naomi Hirabayashi, the co-founders and co-CEOs of Shine, a self-care app that sends daily motivational texts and audio affirmations to its users. In your toughest times, when you may think you won't ever get through it, that you're not very resilient. You have more strength than you think. Mara and Naomi started out as co workers, not co founders. As two young women of color, they have beaten the odds in the tech world, raising more than $8 million in funding. How did they do it? Stick around. Ladies, you are both working at a nonprofit, do something.org, that gets young people involved in social change. Naomi, you were the chief marketing officer, and Mara, you were the director of mobile product. When did you actually become closer? Mara, we'll start with you.
1: So we met working together eight years ago. We were at a really pinnacle point, I would say, in our careers, and that we both were managing large teams, kind of coming into our own as leaders in an organization. We spent a lot of our time there thinking about how do we scale out social change in a way that is intimate and also impactful. And Maybe not surprisingly now, but I would certainly say eight years ago, what we found was that text messaging had a 98% open rate, and we found it was 40 times more effective than email in getting a young person to volunteer. So long story short, we ended up building an entire strategy and team around messaging young people and texting them about these different social causes. One of the impacts of that is they would text us back, right? Not surprisingly, they would say, um, hey, I'm, I'm really struggling right now. I'm, I'm feeling anxious before school starts. Um, I'm thinking of coming out to my parents. Do you have any advice? And this idea of what we now think of as mass intimacy or really creating a one-on-one relationship with someone at scale was, was really powerful. And on the flip side, we really enjoyed working together. Um, we actually roomed together during our first staff retreat and um, you know, like told each other our life stories over <laughs> wine. Um, it was a very beautiful experience. And I think what we ultimately built out was this incredible kind of symbiotic relationship with each other at work that ultimately led to the creation of Shine.
0: So you're in this room, you're on this retreat together, you're talking, getting to know each other. How did you know you could trust each other?
1: That's a good question. I would say I I didn't trust Naomi at first. <laughs> she knows this. Part of the reason why is because Naomi was so positive. She wasn't um, positive in any kind of like light or fluffy way, but she was someone at at work. She was this chief marketing officer, had a you know very serious big title, and was married. And you know I was in my early twenties. I was like, whoa, you're thirty. What is that like? <laughs> um, and this woman was just like crushing it. She was the woman that um, everybody wanted to have in a brain storm, but also to take hard challenges to. Um, the woman that people wanted to do coffee with when they were struggling at work, she was just kind of this uplifting force at the organization. And so it's not that I didn't trust her as a person, but in terms of, of my assumptions, I don't think I'd realized it until we had this conversation that fateful night at staff retreat. But I very much assumed that because she was so happy and positive, that her life must have been really easy. And so it was, it was a really great mm-hmm. opportunity for me to question my own assumptions. And I think she ended up sharing first, and that kind of opened <laughs> opened yeah. my, my mind up and I think created a safe space for me to also feel like there was some nuance in being somebody who has struggled and also somebody who can be um, positive and uplifting and, and
2: to make real change.
0: Naomi, how did you know you could share your story with her?
2: She was just someone that was very curious, you could tell, and really smart. Um, Mara and I just started talking about where you know where we come from and the environments that we grew up in and what brought us to do something i mean do something is a place that's trying to create a more you know civic minded social action generation and so that naturally attracts people that there's usually a story there's usually a story to why you're there and why you're trying to enact change and um that wasn't the lens i think that we started with at that night but it was just kind of digging in and it's funny 8 years later we just went out the other night and caught up as not just as co-founders, but just as friends. And we're catching up on the things that matter in life, like what's going on in your relationship? You know, how's how's your family doing? What are you stressed about? And it's that same level of, of connection that, you know, started in that hotel room and is permeated in terms of what we're trying to build um, with Shine, which is really this this community for all of us where people feel less alone in what they're going through.
0: Mara, at what point did you know that this was a business
1: idea? I think for us, we very much felt that... We were passionate about a specific problem, and that problem was this idea of feeling less alone in what you were going through and having a support system, right? And so when we asked our friends, well, where do you go now? How do you check in with your emotional health now? Um, We heard things like, I Google it. That was definitely the number one Mm -hmm. response. Shine started out as a messaging experience called the Shine Text. And from that prototype and getting 50 people for a month getting a daily text from us, um, we immediately heard overwhelming feedback that this was changing their lives. Um, the first text we got was, I can't believe how different I feel every morning after a week of getting your texts. And so that for us said, we're onto something. There's absolutely something here. And, and then it took us a couple of months to, to get the confidence yeah. to, you know, quit the job and, and raise the money.
0: How did you know this was a business and not a nonprofit?
1: We recently just updated what we are calling our Operating Pledge, which speaks to how we think about being stewards of capital and how we use our funds. For Shine, when we said, what are we, how do we think about mission and purpose and dollars? First and foremost, um, we are here to build a massive company and a massive business because we think that's what's gonna change the world. We believe that the nonprofit system in America is is fundamentally challenged and, and again, that the dollars that are coming to fund nonprofits are coming from people who have built really successful exactly. companies right yep. and so and those people don't look like us right and right. so we need more people that look like us to be able to give the dollars that um, we're making back into our communities. Shine over indexes for marginalized communities. We're 40% non-white. 57% of our users don't have a full-time job, right? Like we over index for lower socioeconomic statuses. All of that um, is the direct result of putting people like Naomi and I in positions of power and having the funding to do um, the work that we're doing. And so we think that the, the, the impact that we can make in this idea of the stakeholder theory and, and kind Kind of our operating pledge is about what we do with our dollars. First and foremost, it goes back to our investors. We are here for um, to serve the, the wider community we're a part of. Secondly, it goes to our own community, meaning our users and our team. And third, it goes back to the wider mental health community. And that's what we believe being responsible stewards of capital looks like in this era.
0: Coming up, Mara and Naomi tell us how they launched their business as a side hustle and talk about the difficulty of raising venture capital as women of color.
1: This message comes from Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive, with no children and no casinos. Discover more at viking.com.
0: shift back to your starting the business a bit. How did you find the time to do this while working your day job? You said it was a side hustle at first. So how did you manage that balance?
1: We got creative. <laughs> um, it's, you know, our product is still to this day, a daily product. So the daily shine, we almost think of it as this daily secular sermon where we have millions of people every day who are coming together to engage with our content around a different self-care theme every day. So today's Shine Text is around realistically accomplishing things, right? We start the day with these insane to-do lists and then often can feel drained and exhausted at the end of the day when we didn't get through them. Um, So it's typically written in the form of of an affirmation. So mine says, you can do anything, Mara, but you can't do everything at once. Create a stress list today to help you cope with the pressure. And then if you dig in a little bit more, it tells you that the definition of stress is When it feels like the demands placed on you, like work or school, relationships, exceed your ability to cope which is so helpful because I think for our users, a lot of what we do is we give them language. We say it's not, we all know we're stressed, we all know we're anxious, but what is stress and how can I manage it? Um, So when we started, we would send the text at I think 7.30 in the morning. So we would get up at 6.30, we usually would meet, um, shout out to LPQ in Union Square, we would meet there (laughs) um, and have basically a working session in the morning when we could, cut out for lunch for a working session then, and then similarly um, after work, which was great because it involved wine usually. Um, but I think, uh, the hardest part was not the side hustle piece. It was the side hustle piece plus the raising money. So we actually raised a round of almost a million dollars on the side and it was our first time ever raising venture capital. Um, so we very much, uh, learned a lot about ourselves through that process. We did everything from taking investor phone calls and ATM banks. Um, We got our first term sheet and we ran downstairs uh, from the Do Something office. There was an envelope store downstairs and it was the only place we could go. It was freezing cold outside. And um, we went in and and got a call from the investor and, you know, we're crying in the envelope store.
2: (laughs) I still still wonder what their impression is of us. (laughs) (laughs) Very passionate about envelopes. We bought some (laughs) magnets
1: with like a cheesy quote on it that day like this is our time uh-huh. um, but but we very much got creative and I think uh, y- you know obviously you know so much about resilience but I think for us we our whole story and the reason we bonded was because of our resilience it was because of talking about the hard things that we went through right certainly our goals and the you know things that we wanted to do in our life but so much connected to um, what are the things that we've struggled with or what are the things we're struggling with now and so I think that you know, for me, it wasn't until I really entered the corporate workforce that I knew that I, I recognized what a differentiator that was to have built that resilience throughout my childhood to see that I, um, you know, I used my stress and anxiety to fuel me. I, I didn't get flustered as easy. I took criticism and I, I took that as like a, an opportunity to take ownership.
0: How did you know you were financially ready to make the leap and go full time with Shine?
2: We didn't know we were financially ready, and I think that's an important distinction because one of the things that we struggled with because of our background was a lot of the narratives around starting a company, right? Like, I slept on my friend's couch for a year, and I didn't pay myself, and everybody is coming to this journey, the entrepreneurship journey, with a set of experiences and um privilege or lack of privilege. But it was confusing for us because we certainly have a lot of privilege um, in that we had a network that we could kind of tap into to get some of these intros and learn more about the VC space, amazing supportive partners, each other. Um, But we had credit card debt. We didn't have any savings. And um, the whole like friends and family round, we were so confused by that. Um, You know, for context, everyone talks about usually a first round of a a startup is you raise from your friends and families, right. and I'm doing air quotes right now. Okay. And what that means is wealthy people that you know. Yeah. And we were like, "What is? Who who are these people talking what about?" Uncle is that? Yeah, what right. uncle? <laughs> what get that uncle? What holiday have I been missing? Um, and so that is one of many gates that you run into, particularly from different backgrounds coming into the space that makes you feel like you're not supposed to do this. Mm. It's like, oh, you didn't. Oh, you don't have your friends and family wow. network, and so much of this this space, but particularly the beginning, is fight or flight. You know, everything in your body is telling you that this is a very risky thing to do. Mm-hmm. And um, you add on different sets of experiences, being women, being younger, being women of color. There's just—it's harder. You have less room to fail, and you have less examples of that success. And so um, I think for us, I'm really proud that we had tough conversations with each other where we said— we don't have—we're not in a, a financial situation where there's um, a nest that we can fall back on. We haven't been in a situation where we've been able to save up, you know, 12 months of, of um, rent or anything like that. But what we do know, to Mara's point, is that we're resourceful. We'll, like, work that side job. We'll waitress. We'll freelance. We'll babysit. We'll do whatever we need to do to float ourselves. If we are not able to raise this money to build this business, we will figure it out. And I think that is so important because— the only way that more people like us push through that hardest first stage of, of really challenging the narrative, is this for me or is this not for me, can I do this or can I not do this, is recognizing that those experiences that have built resilience are what will allow you to fight through and figure out um, how to make it work. I want to
0: talk a little bit uh, more about
2: venture capital funding, right,
0: because you two of you essentially beat the odds because there's studies that show that women of color get less than one percent of venture capital funding. So I'm just wondering, how did you break
2: through getting through the first door is the hardest and. I think, hands down, it was our passion for what we were building. Then the fact that we had scaled do something to over 5 million members, and we had this deep expertise across messaging and marketing for how you reach people around something meaningful that they care about, particularly in a f- like a friend format through messaging, um, was really important. So that experience mattered. But most importantly, I think it was the passion that we had around how frustrated we were with the problem in that the well-being industry was way too bougie. It was um, marketed as a lifestyle that that came with a certain disposable income, and it was overlooking everyday people dealing with everyday issues that absolutely needed support because of the daily struggle those are the kind of prereqs to get to the to the door to your yeah. point
1: and then i think where we uh had some privilege and some opportunity was our network so we got creative about our network we didn't know a lot of investors we didn't know founders really yeah. but what we did know is people who knew people to the founders or, or future founders out there that are thinking about this, the grit, the hustle, the resilience, the passion, those are all prerequisites. And um, I think as much as you can get creative about your network, um, I think that's, that's, you know, kind of the part that, has to be unlocked for you to get to that next stage.
0: So you have tapped into a niche demographic, and within about three years, you have 4 million users. What is the health and wellness community not understanding about this group that you guys understand?
1: So we started Shine in 2016. Um, A lot of things happened specifically in America in 2016. Obviously, it was a very intense social and political time for us, but we found that American well-being was on the decline for the first time after a three-year upward trend. You also saw the rise in the search term, which now is this great buzzword we all use called self-care, but then it was actually the most searched self-care had ever been in history. And so around the time that we started the company, we found that people in our community were seeking more intimacy, more vulnerability, more authenticity. But we very much have started with millennials kind of as our core. And I think that the time in which we started the company was so, so pivotal in this in this space. And so we found that as a generation, we very much are demanding solutions that are accessible, that are communal, that are habitual, and much, mo- most importantly, preventative.
0: What do you say to people who question your qualifications to have a business that's focused on mental health, given the fact that neither of you are therapists.
1: That is exactly why we are successful right? So when we started Shine, um, you kind of had a rise in, in some of these more clinical solutions, which we think are really important, right? And they're certainly solving um, an issue for a certain demographic. However, so many people were saying, I'm, I'm just struggling day to day, right? I might not have depression. I might not have a clinically diagnosed mental health disorder, but um, I'm, you know, running 10 minutes late. I'm sweating on the train. I feel like I can't do anything right. I just got in a fight with my partner and I'm just trying to figure out how to check in with myself. My options." are those more clinical solutions. I have to kind of un- understand a little bit more about the problem I might have or, uh, m- you know, kind of m- more of these like crunchy, uh, esoteric wellness solutions, right? This idea of, um, you know, maybe meditating for 30 minutes or going on a yoga retreat or green juicing for, you know, two weeks in a row, like this really beautiful idea of wellness that is very homogenous and very expensive. And so where do we find ourselves in that landscape? We certainly didn't see ourselves in that landscape, and so that—that that is why we have been so successful to date. Like our one of our first taglines, I think, was um, "We're going through it with you." Mm-hmm. And I remember a, a mentor of mine saying, "Like ah." I don't know, maybe we should change that. You know, maybe you should make it more like we are, we are the experts. And the truth is, we're not. We're the experts in our community. We're the experts in millennials. We're the experts certainly in this newer trend of self-care and, and our approach, which is rooted in acceptance commitment therapy. But in terms of having it all figured out, we just simply don't. And I think that's a huge part of why we've been successful. We're building a brand around that. We're not building a brand around um, being the expert.
0: If someone has in your community has a serious mental health issue, there's something they're saying something that might be, you might want to escalate to a professional. What do you do? What's your process?
2: We have systems set up to um, manage for crisis situations, and so um, one is that we we have tagging and can identify any. Um, more serious words, and that then we reference um, that user to crisis text line, which is a twenty four seven text support. What is um, surprising for a lot of people is that we don't get a lot of those issues. It's it's I think maybe just a handful in our. It's under four one years or three and a yeah. half years of existing. Yeah, and so a big part of that is we're very explicit about what we're for, um, in that we're helping to prevent either someone getting to that crisis situation or being more empowered through tools if they do deal deal with a crisis because of their um, what they've learned through Shine, but being very explicit that um, there are so many really important systems set up um, for professional crisis support. And we want to make sure that people get the best experience um, and the most um, impactful experience.
0: What recommendations do you have for women who want to start a business with a friend?
2: Two pieces of advice. The first is, um, Making sure that you have prototyped or tested out in some way as much as possible what it would be like to work together. Um, so obviously we were really lucky because we worked together. But if you're friends that maybe just feel really passionate about a specific issue, is it... Um, working really early on Sundays that that can be a tough thing to do is that something that you all are excited to do together does one person feel like they don't want to show up just (laughs) testing just testing out the day-to-day of um what it will take as much as you can know to really sacrifice and and um show up in a very meaningful consistent way around something around something hard um the other thing I would say is um Talk openly about narratives. There's so much workshopping that happens in a really healthy partnership, like any relationship. Um, but it's particularly important when the success of the company is based on you all knowing knowing each other in a really deep wel- way and, and having that dynamic.
0: How do you resolve the disputes?
2: There is no major, you know,
1: blow up or dispute where it feels unsolvable. I think the idea of uh, certainly in the beginning, we learned that workshopping was necessary um, because we're all just trying to do our best, trying (laughs) to be perfect, trying to be buttoned up, um, staying in our own lane. Um, One uh, relationship model that we really like is called 100 to 100. So a lot of times relationships, we think of them as 50-50, right? And that's just not the case. Um, You have to go 100 to 100 and meet the other person where they are so 50 50 relationship is hey did you get that report done um and someone you know might be flustered and or tired or stressed and um, they give you a response you didn't expect or you didn't want and then you go off into your own head and say like oh maybe it's me did I do something wrong or oh she's really off her game what's up with her (laughs) Um, but 100 to 100 is saying like hey I noticed that um, you know that report isn't done like how can I help what can I do or hey I started a draft in case you didn't have a chance I I know that you had drop off this morning like here's here's a draft of that report so 100 to 100 is meeting people fully where they are and And then meeting you fully where you are, so nothing can drop. Right, assuming that we're going to be off, people are going to have off days and months and moments. How can you meet people where they are and and really pick up that slack for each other?
0: This is amazing. Such a great conversation, ladies. If you'd like to hear more of Secrets of Wealthy Women, you can find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or your favorite audio provider. If you like us, subscribe, share us on social media, and give us a review.